Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 4th of December 2022. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week, the second Sunday in Advent, Richard spoke on a messenger of peace. The reading is Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 38. So we'll go and join Paul as he's introducing the service. Rain will shake you and so will I. Good morning my church family. Good morning, my virtual church family, if that's not the right, if that's the right expression for those of you that are online. Lovely to be with you and lovely to spend time with you. The notices for the week are as per the notice sheet, but with just a few amendments and additions. Uh, friends, uh, just to say that next week's church at four that Steve's going to lead will be a kind of mini Advent carol service. We'll be uh, singing all those songs that we traditionally sing in churches across the Advent season. So... Please come along for next week's church at four. Not forgetting, of course, come to two services because there's an awesome preacher to next Sunday morning. Yeah, okay. So they, say, they say self-marketing is no marketing at all and all that. Friends, it's, it was some sadness that I have to tell you of some news uh, of someone you, some of you may know. Um, some of you know a lady called Alina McKinley. Unfortunately, Alina McKinley... Uh, went to be with the Lord on Thursday the 1st of December, having lost a battle, a kind of long battle with cancer. As was said by Adam to us, Alina closed her eyes on this earth for the last time on that afternoon, but a pastor and his wife were able to visit her and pray for her that same afternoon. And Alina, though weak, gave a clear amen. Well, praise God for her faith. Praise God for the fact that she's in the arms of her saviour. And as soon as a few arrangements have been concluded and we know them, we're likely to hear them either through Adam or through Jason. So if you want to know more, can you speak to one of those guys and they'll be able to help. And obviously with regards to wherever the funeral is, we'll also try and work out some transport. I think that's what was the message both of you gave to me. Yeah. Before we go any further, let's just commit Alina's family to the Lord. Father God, we thank you for our sister who is in your loving arms for whom the battles, the long battle with cancer is over, and healing has taken place, who no longer has to worry about hospitals and appointments and and not being able to do things because of what you have done. So we claim the victory for her, Lord, a victory that you've given to us all who know and love you. And we also claim for those that know her and love her and care for her and mourn for her, even those that mourn for her here, we claim those amazing words of Jesus, that there will be an end to suffering and mourning and pain. This morning, Lord, bless all who mourn for Alina and give them your grace, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, next Saturday, there is a Hope Centre plant sale here, a plant sale and fair, between 12 noon and 4pm. There's uh, some amazing stuff that they've already got, and there's some more that was added to it from yesterday. Because yesterday, we had the Hub Christmas Fair. So I'm going to invite Lorraine to come up and let you know a little bit more about that. In a (laughs) moment. They say, don't they? (laughs) They say every picture tells a story, yes. (laughs) We had the Christmas fair yesterday. Yes, it was hard work. And if there is some snoring this morning, Richard, it's not your preaching, mate, okay? It is definitely lots of people worked so hard together yesterday. I want to thank all of you who donated anything to the fair. I want to thank the crafters, those who made cakes, I want to thank those people who came and were behind the stalls. I just felt it was a great time of fellowship together. I really did. And I really want to thank those who put things up, took things down and carted things everywhere else. Um, It was a true blessing. At the beginning of the fair, we just gave it all to God. And we said, uh, let those in need come. And they came. Um, We had uh, a gentleman um, in the grotto in a red suit, 
And uh, we had 60 presents for him to give out, and he ran out. So it was wonderful. We had stories of people coming for the first time saying, thank you so much, because we just needed this. And although we didn't aim to raise money, we wanted to do an outreach. God blessed. And a little drum roll, please. We actually raised... £1,174 for the hub. Praise God. There's lots to praise God for. And that leads me to uh, let you know something else, which is that on Tuesday, this church, uh, uh, we agreed, we discerned rather, that we would offer that call to the ministry here with responsibility for you for children, Tommy Pratt. I've spoken to Promi, and he believes that God is calling him here, and therefore he has accepted that invitation. Now, your next question is going to be, when's Tommy going to be here? And the truthful answer is we don't know. Can I ask you to do me a favour? Because we've got to coordinate things in the college, and we're coming to that time of year when, realistically, colleges don't work for a couple of weeks, and... Uh, the truth of the matter is we probably won't know a lot more until we get into the early part of next year. So, so we'll, no, we'll let you know as soon as we know. Is that okay? Is that a deal? But obviously I can't let you know what I don't know, if you see what I mean. But what I do know is that God is good. And all throughout lockdown, we were saying, were we not, that God is in control. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and he has the church in his hands. And as Roy and the group uh, come to lead us in worship... This is what Psalm 149 says. Okay, this is the sort of psalm that's written for these sorts of moments. Psalm 149, verse 3 says this. Let them, us, God's people, praise him with dancing. So if you want to dance this morning, please feel free. And make music to him. Well, yeah, there are musicians with tambourine and harp. So if you've not got a tambourine this morning or you've not got a harp and you've got car keys and you want to give them a rattle, give them a rattle. For the Lord takes, why do we do this? The Lord takes delight in his people, the psalm says. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in this honor and sing joy. What an amazing statement, and sing joy. This morning, friends, we can rejoice with Tommy as he tells his own church at Upton Vale of his decision too. And we can say, hallelujah, God is good. He is in control. Let's worship him. Roy. Thank you. Let's let's stand. Morning, good morning. Don't worry, we've not forgotten. Ollie's going to come and light the advent candle. I forgot at church at four on Sunday last week, didn't I? So we've got one one thing right, at least. There are just two of them. Oh, something has stopped working there. Oh, am I on? I am on. There we go. Two, Ollie. Two. (laughs) I've never seen candle lighting being so suspenseful. I've got a question for you uh, this morning. Possibly those of you who are slightly younger. What do you put at the very top of your Christmas tree? A star? One of those things up there? Or one of those? It's over there that looks like it's about to fall off. Anything else that we put, might put at the top of Christmas tree? Angel, I heard, somewhere. That's right. One of these, not this one, this hangs on it, but I couldn't find an actual angel that sits on the top of a tree, because my Christmas decorations aren't out yet. Uh, And the star played a special part in the story of Christmas. 
So there's always that great divide, isn't there, between impaling an angel on the top of the tree <laughs> or the star. I'll leave the choice up to you. But the angel also played a very important role in the Christmas story, didn't they? As you all probably know, angels are messengers from God. And later on, we're talking about a very important angel called Gabriel, probably the most famous of the angels. And a long time ago, 2000 and something years ago, Angel Gabriel was sent by God to deliver a message to a young woman named Mary, who was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. The angel appeared to Mary and said, Greetings, favoured one, the Lord is with you. Mary was frightened and confused by the angel's greetings. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, you will find favour with God. You will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The baby will be holy and will be called the Son of God. And Mary replied, and probably not necessarily what we might have said when an angel had just appeared to us. I am the Lord's servant. Let everything happen just as you have said. God could have chosen anyone to give birth to Jesus, couldn't he? But he chose Mary, a young girl living in the little village of Nazareth. She wasn't very important, but she was important to God. And he chose her to do the most important thing we could ever imagine. He chose her to give birth to his son. God still chooses unimportant people to perform important tasks. He has given you and me the task of sharing the good news of Jesus and his love to the world. The end of Matthew, so the other end of the story of Jesus' life, he gives us a command that says, go and make disciples of all nations. Can you imagine a more important task? I'd love to hear it if you can. But this year, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, let us, like Mary, answer God's call. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me, just as you have said. Our young people are going to leave and practice for the nativity, I believe. I saw the setup earlier. Teddy's excited. I hope the rest of you are. Shall we pray for them as they leave us? Father, we thank you for our young people. um, We thank you as well for their leaders who so faithfully serve them. And we pray now that they would have a productive morning, Father, and that you, they would learn more about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I will just wait a moment, but uh, Pam uh, is going to come and share with us um, a bit about street pastors. Hello, my name is Pam and I'm here to tell you about Minehead Street and School Pastors. I'm part of the prayer team. The information I give will also be available from me and some of the other pastors after the service. I have given some leaflets to both Anne and to Tricia and I've got some and it can also be found, some of you will have this at home, the latest word gets around so there's the same information is printed in there now your community needs you are you a christian and a member of a local church do you feel god is calling you to do something but you aren't sure what we are a small group of minehead street and school pastors who believe that we are called to support our local communities of Orkham and Minehead, but we need more volunteers to make it happen. Having not been active um, in, in this particular way, some of us have been active in other ways, but not been active since before COVID, we now need to recruit new members 
and we have roles available, whatever your strengths. Daytime and early evening duties are what is planned, rather than the traditional late light night patrols that we used to do. Some of our young people are developing unhealthy behaviours, sometimes linked to poverty, deprivation, or for other reasons. We want to address some of these issues, but there are currently not enough of us. We need Christians who feel they have a heart for this sort of work. Full training is provided, along with a uniform and DBS cover. You don't get as much uniform if you're just on the prayer team. So. <laughs> we also badly need a couple of people to coordinate activities and to liaise with Ascension Trust, our umbrella organisation. We need trustees to join our board. We need people to help with admin. We need a treasurer. Most importantly, we also need Christians who don't feel called to any of those roles, but who would be willing to join us as prayer pastors. And we pray together each time a team is out on patrol. If you think God may be calling you to support the work of Minehead Street and school pastors in any of those ways, please get in touch for more details. As I say, Tricia and Anne have got leaflets. Find, find one of us afterwards or find your recent word for today. So that you can easily find a pastor to talk to after the service, I am going, they don't all know this, I am going to ask all past and present pastors to stand up now, please. You are very welcome to look round to see who they are. And approach them afterwards with any questions, ask them about it. And thank you for the opportunity to tell you about our street and school pastor group. Thanks, Pam. We're going to enter now a time of prayer as we lift up to God some of the issues and the goings-on in the world to God. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you that we can gather this morning free of persecution, free of worry about someone coming through the door. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are facing persecution every time they meet, just for following you. Father, we pray that you would be a strength and a comfort to them. And we pray as well, Lord, for a changing of hearts for them, for the governments that oppress them. Father, might they come to see you for who you truly are. Father, we thank you for the work of the street pastors. Father, we pray for their needs as they seek to follow your call. Father, we pray for volunteers to come forward. You are passionate about serving you. Father, we thank you for the willingness of all those who volunteer to give up their time and energy to be a light for you in this time. And Father, as well, we think as we come to this Christmas season, Father, we think of all those who will come into contact with church for probably or possibly the only time of the year. Father, we think of all those who came into the hub yesterday. Father, we pray that your love would be known to them. Father, we pray for the activities of this church this Christmas. Father, that we would be ambassadors for you, worthy of being called, called followers of you. 
And we pray as well for the church as a whole. For the who knows how many thousands of church services, events, carol services, all that's happening. Father, we pray that the true meaning of Christmas would be plain to those who enter a church this Christmas. Father, we pray as well for the ongoing wars in the world around us. Father, we pray for the war in Ukraine that has been going on for what feels like so long. Father, we pray for peace. Father, we pray that the weapons would be turned into plowshares. Lord, that those involved would see and know you. We pray for the other wars around the world that are going on, whether it be civil wars or internal strife. Father, let peace reign. Father, we pray that the world would come to see you for who you are. Amen. I'm going to sing again. Now. Now to a time of communion, to remember the life of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Come to this table, not because you must, but because you may. Not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come, not because any goodness of your own gives you a right to come, but because you need mercy and help. Come, because you love the Lord a little and would like to love him more. Come, because he loved you and gave himself for you. Come and meet the risen Christ, for we are his body. Shall we pray? Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And the Apostle Paul tells us of the institution of the Lord's Supper. And he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Shall we give thanks for the sacrifice and the symbol of Jesus and the symbols of his love for us? Let's pray. Loving God, we praise and thank you for your love shown to us in Jesus Christ.
We thank you for his life and ministry, announcing the good news of your kingdom and demonstrating its power in the lifting of the downtrodden and the healing of the sick and the loving of the loveless. We thank you for his sacrificial death upon the cross, for the redemption of the world and for your raising him to life again as a foretaste of the glory we shall share. We give you thanks for this bread and wine, symbols of our world and signs of your transforming love. Send your Holy Spirit, we pray, that we may be renewed into the likeness of Jesus Christ and formed into his body. This we pray in his name and for his sake. Amen. And shall we say together the prayer uh, Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is kingdom the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Can I invite those who are going to serve to come forward? If we have any, well, if you'd like to come and serve, you feel free to come. So Jesus took the bread and said, take this in remembrance that Christ this is my body, which is for you. Helps if I read the right words, doesn't it? This is my body, which is for you. Do this in memory of me. So take this bread and take it in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. And then in the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. And we'll keep hold of our cups and drink together as a sign of our unity as the body of Christ. So drink this and remember that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful. Shall we pray? Your death, O Lord, we commemorate. Your resurrection, we confess. Your final coming, we await. Glory be to you, O Christ. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise. But when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you've set before us. So we and all your children shall be free. And the whole earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.
our reading uh, today is from Luke chapter 1, from verse 26 to 38. Probably a very well-known uh, verse I would, or passage I've known as the angel Gabriel comes to tell Mary what is about to happen. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and forgive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel? Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, was, she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your words. We pray now that you would speak to us through it. And Father, I pray that I would speak your words, not my own. Amen. A question as we begin. What is the most impressive thing you've ever seen? I'll let you have anyone got any suggestions they want to share with us. Have we all led? Oh yes, Simon, thank you. When your daughter was born? Probably rates quite highly, I would imagine. When I had... <laughs> it might come back, you never know. Northern Lights? Yeah. So a few, you know, impressive things. Mine might be yesterday, finally winning an away game for the rugby team after a, a season and a half. I'm not sure my five-minute appearance has much to uh, do with it. But we see the difference, don't we, in impressive things. What we consider impressive things. How do you think you would react if you had an angel appear in front of you. That was a beautiful rendition, whoever did that. That's probably about right, isn't it? Probably a bit of terror. And I can only imagine it is slightly terrifying. To suddenly have before you a heavenly vision, a messenger of God, no less, must be slightly off-putting, to say the least. Might put you out of your stride slightly. And it must be, if nothing else, a bit of a surprise. No one, I think, expects to see an angel appear in front of, me, in front of them. It might be one of those moments, I'm sure we all know them, where you would just like a minute or so just to compose yourself. Just have a, your mind to come to terms with what's happened in front of you. And to be honest, as I was reading it, I was amazed that Mary had the ability to take in any of the information she was being told at all. The fact that we could even read a record, I think, is something of a minor miracle. Because <laughs> many of us, I suspect, our minds might have been completely blank. And if you remember your nativity story, you will remember that Gabriel has already made an appearance. Earlier in this chapter... He makes an appearance to Zechariah, the cousin-in-law of Mary. Don't ask me what nature of cousin, I couldn't tell you. 
But Gabriel announces to him that his wife, Elizabeth, who had previously been unable to conceive, will bear a child who will be a prophet of the one who comes after. We know him as John the Baptist. One who some considered before Jesus' beginning of ministry to be the Messiah. This was a man who was going to change a lot of things. Luke, when he writes this passage, wants to highlight the similarities between these two messengers. But also, crucially, the differences. For as great as John will be, Jesus will be so much greater. He'll be so much greater than any who has come before, any prophet that has come before. Mary is commanded to call her son Jesus. Hebrew would be Joshua. The Lord is salvation. I think that's probably a bit of a clue what's going to happen, isn't it? So the whole story would seem to be off to a good start. It will be great. Fine. Lots of people have been called great throughout the Old Testament and the story of God's people. But then crucially, he will be called the son of the Most High. Alarm bells might start going off. Klaxons. Some confetti might shoot out somewhere. I don't know. But the angel tells Zechariah that his son will be great in the sight of the Lord. But Gabriel goes much further and tells Mary that her son, Jesus, will not only be great, but the son of God. The son of God. I think probably after 2,000 years of hearing this story and of indoctrination into the Christmas message, we don't quite consider how exceptional this truly is. Unless probably we stop and really think about it. The Son of God is going to come to earth as a baby. To the Jews of the time, this would have been Absolutely scandalous, a momentous claim. And this is what will truly set Jesus apart from all the prophets who've come before. For not only will he be the son of God, but he will also be a king in the line of David. Crucially though, unlike them, he's not going to only last for a lifetime however long it is he lasts before someone murders him or he's deposed or dies. He will rule forever. His kingdom will never end. So if an angel appearing to you wasn't enough, Mary now has to come to terms with the fact that her son will be born and change the world forever. Mary is being told she will bear the long-awaited Messiah. I just can't get my head around what Mary must have been thinking. When you think that she was probably a girl of 13 or 14, to be told all this must have been staggering. You really would have wanted to sit down after, wouldn't you? A life is going to change forever. And how does she respond? She goes for the practical side of things. She asks, how can this be? I am a virgin. And I don't need to give you a biology lesson, do you? But do I? But virgins don't usually give birth, just in case there was any doubt about that. And Gabriel replies and says, the spirit of God will come upon you. That seems fair enough, doesn't it? We know God can do anything. Now, at this point, it does seem that Mary has accepted what is about to happen, doesn't she? There is an acceptance. It's not a, oh, no, that can never be. It's how is it going to work? There is, it's fair to say, I've a bit of surprise and amazement that this is how it's going to happen and it's possible for her to give birth to a child. 
But ultimately, Mary is able to finish her exchange with the angel by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May your words to me be fulfilled. Mary has just had the most profound call put upon her life, hasn't she? When we think of how God calls most people, it's not to bear his son. Might be the most pivotal call everyone has ever had put on their life. I don't know if there's a ranking chart of sort of calls, but it has to rank fairly high. She's been called to bear the son of God and give birth to him. And Mary was able to carry out and willing to carry out this staggering responsibility because of her faith and love in God. She's able to believe Gabriel when he tells her, no word of the Lord ever fails. Isn't that true? Now it has to be said, we might not always like what the word of the Lord tells us. Because of a whole host of reasons. It might be because it's difficult. God has a tendency to call us to things we find difficult. It might be because it doesn't seem plausible. This might be a case in point. And yet we know that when God says something, he carries it out. And we can never be in any doubt that God, what God says will happen, will happen. But Mary doesn't just respond as if she'd simply bowed to the inevitable, going, oh, I suppose I have to now, don't I? Because you're God and I'm me and what can I do? Instead, she's filled with a deep joy that transforms her. Later in this chapter, we read the song of Mary, which begins, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. That's not the words, or those aren't the words, of someone who's given in to defeat or the inevitable, are they? It's a sign of the joy she finds in following God's commands. Mary has recognised the great honour and privilege that she has been given to follow God's call on her life. I've got a question for you. Is the same true of us? Some of you will have a very clear sense of what God's called you to in your life. Others might be less clear. But when we think of the call on the thing that God calls us to, do we have that same joy that fills us? Or do we just feel it as a sort of duty, an obligation, something that we feel we have to do? Do we just accept it as the inevitability of fate? Something is going to happen whether we choose to or not, so we may as well go along with it. Or do we make a conscious decision to move towards it wholeheartedly, with the love of God filling us, empowering us, gifting us, and equipping us? It has to be said that Mary is not always... As confident as she is at the end of this passage. There is one moment in verse 29 where we read, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. But Gabriel begins, greetings, you are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Now, I think we might all be able to agree that if an angel just appeared to me and opened with that, I'd be slightly concerned about what was going to come next. It, to be honest, had the feel of probably not a very good film where someone's being buttered up, knowing that they're going to be asked something that's either dangerous or stupid or a lot of work. But I don't think that's necessarily what is going on here, before I get accused of writing bad Hollywood scripts. Simply an amazed reaction from Mary. An angel has appeared to her. Mary's mind must have been racing, mustn't it? Asking herself, what's about to happen? 
guessing what's coming next. I'm going to guess you didn't see what was coming next. But yet still she listened, even as she was in, troubled by the whole experience. She listened to the message of God. And this appearance of a messenger of God must have been one of the most profound experiences of Mary's entire life. To come face to face with some small part of the glory and power of God can't help but transform you. As to be said, we have quite a sort of soft view of angels, don't we? They have nice feathers and wings and nice and white. But that's not necessarily the biblical description we find. We have a fancy dress day every year at Christmas in college. Last year, the brief was angels. Our angel, uh, our Old Testament tutor turned up in, uh, well, I can only describe it as one of the stranger costumes I've seen. It was a costume where she was covered in eyes, coming from Ezekiel chapter 10, where the description of angels is one of covered in eyes and some stuff about wheels and all sorts of things. You can read it if you'd like. But we don't often talk about that, do we? But angels have taken on all sorts of appearances. We don't know what Gabriel looked like when he appeared to Mary. I'm going to guess probably not the one covered in eyes. I don't know for certain, but that might lead you to run away screaming. But Mary has come face to face with a vision of God's majesty and her life has been changed forever. It's the same true of us. Have you ever experienced the wonder and the glory of God? I have. And I don't think it can't. can do anything else but to deeply affect you, can it? If we've truly experienced God's majesty and power and glory and wonder, how can we not be changed? Mary must have been changed Completely by this experience. Yet, I think without that transformation, Mary would have found it a lot harder to follow God's commands, God's calling on her life. The same is true of us. The transformation that we see when we come to know Jesus, the transformation that we experience is what sets us up to follow God's calling. Because if we've not been transformed by his love, then why on earth are we going to want to follow his calling? Because it's usually difficult, sometimes dangerous, requires usually quite a lot of effort. I'm not really selling it, am I? Yet so great is the transformation. So great is God's love for us. How can we not want to follow him in his calling on our lives. Without knowing the love of Jesus, we would be incapable of following those instructions. So what is the call God has placed on your life? Some of you will have a very clear picture. Some of you will have no idea. And if you don't know, I encourage you to pray And ask God for what is the calling on your life. What he has planned for your life. And I've said already, it won't always be easy. After all this, Mary had an amazing call, didn't she, on her life. But she ended up having to witness her son being crucified on a cross. Can't be easy for anyone. Hopefully that isn't where your call leads you. I don't think many crucifixions still happen. But there's no guarantee it's not going to call you into danger. No guarantee that it's not going to call you into difficulty. No guarantee it's not going to lead you to having to give up things you hold dear. We sang before communion 
one line that really spoke to me as we sang it. I will bring my life, my all. Mary here gives her whole life, doesn't she, to following Jesus? Is the same true of us? Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Father, we thank you that you place a call in each one of our lives. Father, we pray that you would make it clear to us what that call is. Father, and we pray that we would be willing to follow your call. Willing to follow the direction you put in our life. Father, and we pray that when it's difficult, we would turn back to you. That we would focus on you. Father, we pray for continued transformation in our life. Father, that for those of us who've met you, seen some small part of your glory and power, that the transformation that started then would continue onwards. That our whole lives, our whole beings would cry out to follow you. And Father, we pray for those who haven't met you. Father, we pray that they too would see the transforming power of your love. That they would come to know your son Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. That he would transform their lives as he's transformed us. Amen. And we're going to sing again. Let's stand and sing of the goodness of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. To leave a comment, please go to mynhead-baptist.com slash sermons. And if you'd like to know what's going on at Christmas here at NBC, then you can go to mynhead-baptist.com slash Christmas. Well, thank you once again for listening and I'll speak to you soon.